0: Hi, my name is Autumn Dixon, and this week is May 9th through the 15th, and we are in Numbers. Now, as you have probably noticed, (laughs) there are a lot of stories in the Old Testament that can be kind of vague sometimes. So the details are missing or are confusing. Maybe they don't align perfectly with what we believe about our Savior Jesus Christ. However, this week, I realized that that could kind of be a blessing. So obviously, sometimes it's difficult when those details are missing. However, it can be a blessing in the fact that when we're reading these stories, we can put in our own details that make these stories more relevant to our lives and so that the Lord can give us a different perspective or a different message from these stories depending on on what we see in them. Now, one of these stories that I noticed can have a couple of confusing details is that of Balam, Balaam and the donkey. Now, before I jump right into those confusing details, I wanted to give a summary really quickly of Balaam and the donkey. So if you know the story, you can go ahead and, and fast forward. So Balaam was a man who held the power to bless and curse. Now Balaam was in an area, he lived in an area that implied that he could have been a descendant of abraham's family so there's a possibility that he had the priesthood now my guess is that he did have the priesthood right he had communication with god he was seeking out god's will if he truly had the power to bless and curse i'm going to assume that that was probably through the power of the priesthood now there was a king in the land named balak and balak had a problem because the Israelites were coming towards his land, and he was really nervous. So he sends for Balaam, and he wants Balaam to come and curse the Israelites. So he sends the messengers, and Balaam's like, come stay at my house. I'm going to ask the Lord. He goes to the Lord, and the Lord is like, don't curse the Israelites because they're a blessed people. Well, Balaam tells the messengers they go away. They go back to, to Balak, and Balak then sends more honorable princes. So the princes show up and they're like, hey, look, Balak is willing to give you whatever honors and riches, whatever you want, if you will just come curse the Israelites." Well, Balaam is like, okay, come stay at my house. I'll go see if the Lord has anything else he wants to say. So he goes to the Lord and the Lord says, if the men come to call you, then you can go with them. So in the morning, Balaam saddles up his donkey and he gets ready and he goes and follows the princes. Interestingly enough, The Lord gets angry with Balaam for going with the princes. Now, he sends a destroying angel, and the angel goes and stands in the middle of the road, and the donkey sees the angel. The donkey who's carrying Balaam sees the angel, and he keeps stopping, and he does it a few times, and it makes Balaam angry, and each time Balaam is hitting the donkey, like, you need to get going. I need to follow these men. Well, finally, the Lord looses the tongue of the donkey. The donkey turns and looks at Balaam and is like... I have been a faithful servant to you for so long. Why are you hitting me? And Balaam's eyes are open. He sees the angel and he realizes what's really happening here. And so Olam pauses long enough to realize that he needs to be listening to the Lord. And he's once again warned that he needs to do exactly what the Lord wants him to do. And he follows the princes and he goes to the king and he tells the king, Balak that he is not going to curse the Israelites, that he can only do what God wants him to do. Now, one of the confusing details is the fact that the Lord says, Balaam, if the princes call you, you can go with them. Well, Balaam goes and the Lord gets angry. However, when we do a closer reading of this, it can kind of give us a couple of details as to why the Lord got angry. So this is Numbers chapter 22, and it is verses 20 through 21, and it says, And God came unto Balaam that night, and said unto him, If the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them, but yet the word which I shall say unto thee, that shalt thou do. And Balaam rose up in the morning, and saddled his ass, and went with the princes of Moab. So once again, these details, what I am seeing in this story, it doesn't outright say it, but what I am seeing in this story is I'm seeing a man, Balaam, who asked the Lord again, even though he had already received an answer, about whether he could bless or curse the Israelites. I am seeing a man who rose up in the morning and saddled his donkey and rose with the princes without being called by the princes. Now, to me, this implies that Balaam's desires were kind of eating at him a little bit. He He kind of wanted those riches. I can see him approaching this situation without the proper gravity that it engendered, right? He is really being led along by those desires. And so it might be really, really difficult for him to get there and say no to the king. The fact that he beats his donkey is another sign that he is pretty eager to get to Balak. And the only reason i can imagine that he would be eager about it is because he believes the lord's going to let him curse the israelites and he is going to be able to get all these riches now i think in general once again me just seeing details i believe that Balaam was a decent man right if he had the if he had truly been able to wield power in order to bless and curse others i'm going to imagine that he was wielding that priesthood righteously And the fact that he sought out revelation from heavenly father, even if he still had these, this natural man eating at him with temptations, he was still seeking out the Lord in revelation. And I think that's also a good indication. He got a little excited about those riches, just like we all get excited about our different temptations. I think it's really, really significant that Balaam could not see the angel. This is very, very symbolic, perhaps also literal, but it's very symbolic. He could not see the angel. Now, I don't believe it was his desire for riches and honor that literally blinded him, right? He was really excited about the riches. I don't think that's what made it so that he couldn't see the angel literally. However, the principle still remains. Belong got really, really caught up in his own desires. And he could not see this warning that the Lord had sent sitting directly in the middle of the road. I think sometimes we (laughs) often get so caught up in our own desires that two things happen. One, we don't see the signs from the Lord telling us to turn back. Or we forget. We forget that setbacks or setbacks like the donkey. Setbacks can actually be part of the Lord's plan for us. Now, as I mentioned before, Connor and I have recently moved across the country and there have been a couple of setbacks. There's been a lot of uncertainty about things that have been in, things about how we should be living our lives and what we should be doing. Now, I I've really wanted a house. i wanted a house because I've wanted to start a garden and I've wanted to have my son be able to go out in a yard and destroy it and get lost in it. I have wanted to put my baby down without worrying that she's going to get woken up. I have wanted a house. And every time we've prayed about it, I, the Lord has told me to be patient. Now, there came a house on the market and I was really, really excited about it. I convinced Connor to come look at it with me and as we were driving there one night, the Lord told me that, or the Lord didn't tell me, I prayed that Connor and I would be united in how we felt about this house if it was right. So we go, it was really awesome, it was what we wanted, it was really exciting, we were both really really pumped about this house. and. So on the way home, we decided that we were gonna put in an offer. So I was really, really excited. I (laughs) felt that we were united in it, so this must be a sign. I started daydreaming about it, how I would do the whole house. I started thinking about how I wanted to design different spaces. I, I made it my house. We didn't end up getting the house, but I didn't let go of the house. I kept it on my favorites on Zillow, And every day I would check it to see if the contract had fallen through and if we would get another chance to get this house. And I was not able to let go of it. Even as I was looking at other houses and and exploring other options, I just kept daydreaming about this house that I really, really wanted. Well, lo and behold, one day the contract did fall through on this house. Connor and I decided to go look at it again. We drove to go see it during the day of his time. And when we got there, we saw that the roof was sagging somewhere in the back. We saw a lot of signs of rot in the wood. And my husband also climbed up into the attic and found a ton of black mold. And as we were driving home, I was obviously very filled with gratitude that the Lord had stopped us from receiving this thing that I I had really, really wanted, I was also filled with gratitude that he had allowed me to see it again, that he had shown me what would have happened if we had gotten that that house. It would have needed a lot of renovations that we couldn't afford. (laughs) And he was merciful, not only that he saved us from it, but that he let me see why he saved us from it. He doesn't always do that, (laughs) but he did it this time now when i'm pondering my story and i think of balam's story one of the things that i realize is that the lord didn't necessarily have to send the angel he doesn't always send the angel right the donkey could have he could have loosened the tongue of the donkey and the donkey could have said, why are you hitting me or honestly balam could have just killed the donkey and kept moving on with the princes to his own destruction the angel is not the only significant part of this story, right? The angel is actually just a representation of the end of the road for Balaam if Balaam's heart did not change to desire the Lord's will more than he desired riches. the angel was a representation of the destruction at the end of the road. The donkey is also extremely significant in this story. It is, the donkey is symbolic of the fact that the Lord has always dealt with us in goodness, right? The donkey asks Balam, he's like, why are you doing this when I have always been a good donkey? Why are you doing this when I have carried you anywhere you wanted to go? I hear a question like, why aren't you trusting me? Because I've always done what you've asked me to do. Why are you hitting me when I have only served you? The donkey is a reminder that the Lord has been good in the past and that everything that he's doing has been for us. I don't believe that the Lord always sends angels to stop us before we get to the end of the road, but I do believe that the Lord always sends donkeys. (laughs) He always is willing to remind us of how he has taken care of us in the past so that we can learn to remember that he has always been good to us, right? It is so important to learn to remember because it helps us rejoice because we can know that the Lord is either leading us along or that any setbacks that we may experience are incapable of actually setting us back. The Lord is leading us exactly where we need to be. And even if it doesn't mean that we're going to Balak into riches and honor, the Lord is leading us along and we're going to end up happy. I know that the Lord is on our side. I know that even though there's been a lot of uncertainty in my family lately, <laughs> the Lord has sent us enough donkeys, enough messages, assuring me that we're going to be fine. I know that all of these other roads that I liked <laughs> or desired were not going to be the roads that were going to lead us to the ultimate happiness. I've received that message from the Lord enough times. I've received those donkeys enough times that I feel excited about where we're being led, even if it's going to be a while. I don't know how we're going to be okay, but I do know that we're going to be okay. I know that as we continually turn to the Lord, He is willing to continually remind us that He's there for us. He's never gotten mad at me, no matter how many times I've turned to Him and told Him how scared I was. He has always reminded me lovingly, That he has this in hand. That's all going to be fine. And I believe him. I know that it's going to be okay. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.